0: Was light enough to use the binoculars, he glassed the valley below. The Sad Boys Book Club. Looking for anything of color, any movement, any trace of standing smoke. You forget what you want to remember. Then he just sat there holding the binoculars and watching the ashen daylight congeal over the land. He only knew the child was his warrant. He said, if he is not the word of God, God never spoke
1: i'd like to build the world a home and furnish it with love grow apple trees and honey bees and snow white turtle doves i'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony i'd like to buy the world a coke and keep it company, it's, no. the it's the real thing, it's the
0: real thing, it's the real
1: thing, it's the real thing. No. Welcome to the Sad Boys Book Club, my name is Dusty. And, and, I, and I'm Daniel. Oh this is God. the final episode of The Road.
0: Uh, I, I can't believe I can't believe that was such a deep pull there
1: <laughs> I was sitting on I, that for like a good week
0: <laughs> I, I, it, it is the perfect logical conclusion to the to the Coke saga
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but this is uh, this is the final episode of the road uh, this is a very sad episode
0: okay yes. it's time to get I'm...
1: serious Daniel this is a really really somber episode we're about to talk about here
0: Got it. Yeah, I'm going to sit here and uh, in my, my Esalen um, meditation circle, you know, staring out at it, the, the beautiful um, ocean over by Big Sur and all that. I'm not going to smile serenely, indicating that I either have created the best commercial uh, or possibly experienced enlightenment. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to sit here and, and uh, deeply contemplate.
1: Oh, that sounds like I'm uh, I'm out of my drink. Hang on. Oh man, that was um, that was some good uh, Gatorade flavored water there. I will say, um, but it's it's time for me to do something a little more healthy. Okay. Oh, let's go. Coca Cola. It's not the road without a Coca Cola.
0: Uh, Coca-Cola the official beverage of Cormac McCarthy's The Road.
1: So um let's see where did we leave off last time? Was it the 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 burn people in the in the pavement?
0: Yeah, well <laughs> so it was so cavalier. It took me off guard there. Yeah, that that's it was I think that was where we left off. It was the uh, the pavement situation. Um, did we I don't think we got any further than that.
1: No, I think we started immediately after. Uh you'll have to forgive me. Uh I I don't have my book anymore because I had to take it back to the library last week. So Oh, okay. I'm 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 going purely off the cuff today.
0: So where we left last left off, they they had just uh taken in the 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 view of the highway of death. No, not the the uh, US war crime, just the just the a bunch of people that had uh, been seared into the road during the what i what i am assuming to be some sort of nuclear attack i don't don't, it's never really explained but the point is they they go and then obviously um there's there's a lot of uh there's a lot going on there The, the the father didn't want really the boy to see it um but the son had some questions about it i i don't know if we covered this last time but he was you know asking them like why they didn't leave the road and if everything was on fire and I don't know. It was there it was another kind of moment where we were if if we if we can just I know I say this a lot but I always just want to chart this emotional through line of of just the boy being this um emblem of empathy. And you know, I think it's it's important to the journey of the the novel to kind of like hit these beats, right? And so uh so they they go along and they're kind of they're kind of walking into their I they're they're pushing it along. I I think they're, you know, they're if, if I remember correctly, they kind of get the sense that there's somebody n- nearby, so they kind of like um get off of the road and they kind of like they they kind of lay low for a little bit. And uh for there's a it, it takes maybe I don't know, a couple of hours or so and they they see this group of people heading down the road. Um there was, uh, I think it was three men and an obviously very pregnant woman. And they just kind of, they kind of, they don't do anything. They don't they don't talk to them. They just kind of like, they continue to hang back and they lay low for the rest of the night. Um, but that ne- the next morning, so they wake up and they see off in the horizon, uh, the rising smoke from a campfire. And if I may tangent for just a second... Have you ever noticed campfire smoke in the distance? I feel like that's a trope in a lot of like books and movies and stuff. They're like, "Oh, I saw the side of campfire smoke in the distance." I've I've been camping a time or two. I've never noticed it.
1: Uh, you know off the top of my head, I I can't say whether I have or haven't because I think the last time I actually went camping was like 12 years ago. So, it's it's hard to say, but I can't imagine that a standard campfire produces enough smoke or even thick enough smoke to be seen further away than like maybe a couple hundred feet and that's if you're staring i can't imagine there's like a plume of smoke like it's a like it's a a factory chimney spouting off all that ozone killing smog yeah and there's even some that i
0: would probably imagine they would do in this in this post-apocalyptic world especially with the danger of uh the road agents and the blood cults and whatnot they do they call them fire holes i think where they like dig in like a couple feet foot and a half something like that and then they dig in from the side the sort of like a hole where the air can come in and that that's a it's a good way to like hide you know minimize like the the smoke and the the fire it being noticeable it's it's actually really cool
1: it seems like that's what the man was doing with the tarp, at least at first,
0: yeah, i as I was saying that it was it was bringing some familiarity, I think maybe they mentioned something like that, like you were saying,
1: which to be fair, they haven't had the tarp since they lost the first cart,
0: yeah, yeah, it must have just been pretty early on uh but but anyway they they uh they noticed the fire or the smoke, and they're they're off to go investigate um and when but when they get there, um the group is gone uh... i don't think it's it's made clear at least my read of it it was not made clear of whether the the people had just moved on or whether they uh... had noticed uh... the, the father and the son approaching but whatever the case is they're they're gone and they they walk into the this little clearing and they they see the campfire and um... on the campfire is a headless human infant, on a on a little steak on a little spit, that's being cooked, and um, that was that was uh, that that was pretty pretty grim uh, thing to think about. Uh, the boy obviously didn't see, because I think the father was doing like a doing a lookout while the boy was sleeping. And, uh, he so he sees the um, he sees the infant that is being roasted and he, he he and we the readers are making the inference that they the woman gave birth and they were intending to eat her baby
1: which um, I'm not gonna hold this against the book because this is just this is just something you have to accept in entertainment media. But, as somebody who has a child, um, I did not give birth to the child, personally. Uh, Labor does not go that quickly. We were in the hospital for, like, two days before it finally happened. Uh, So, unless she had been in labor for a while... And granted, granted, I will say, everyone's different. Some people have quick labors, some people have longer labors. Um, but I feel like... It's... At the very least, if this woman had just given birth to this baby, and they just immediately killed it and got it ready to eat, uh, she'd be in no condition to really be... (laughs) moving out, or hiding, or whatever. She'd probably be in a lot of pain still, because, uh... You don't just pop the baby out and then you're just like, all right, cool, and you just move on. Uh, there's a lot of damage done to the female body at that point in time, too. Another fun fact that they probably don't tell you. Uh, so, yeah, this this is me nitpicking. I'm just nitpicking here. Uh, but, yeah, you just kind of have to accept that, that entertainment media does not handle pregnancies correctly. So, I guess you just got to move on from it. But, yeah, just wanted to, to share that fun little detail.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, 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 that's something that uh, maybe I didn't, I didn't think about. I guess maybe they just picked her up and they're they're sitting there around the fire. Maybe one of them noticed the father and the son coming, and they just, I don't know. Maybe they had a little stretcher or something, and they just they just moved her out and they're off somewhere nearby in, in the brush, probably. If I had to guess.
1: If I could just like um, do a really really small tangent real quick, uh, probably yeah. the worst offender off the top of my head of that's not how pregnancies and birth works is a quiet place. Uh man.
0: I was specifically thinking of, of that when you were when you were talking about all that stuff.
1: That was like what 2 minutes of labor and that's it. It's been a few years since I saw, it,
0: but I remember it was it was it went uh, astonishingly quick.
1: Yeah, and I don't care if you're shooting off fireworks or whatever it was that he did to distract uh in order for emily blunt to get into the shower with the the baby or whatever but uh that thing was on top of her no noise is going to distract it enough from her screaming in agony right next to it
0: yeah yeah i it's it's uh it was it was a little bit of plot convenience
1: yeah, and Certainly. I like the movie enough to where I can look past that. But that's that is, in my opinion, one of the worst offenders. At least off the top of my head, of that's not how pregnancy works.
0: Right in with all of your pregnancy, uh, fictional pregnancy related grievances.
1: <laughs> but anyways, uh, but,
0: yeah. Anyway, so the uh, they uh, th- they find the infant and uh the son kind of wants to talk about it a little bit he talks about you know if they potentially could have rescued the baby and they then he kind of kind of muses on where the travelers found the infant and uh where anyway like i was kind of heading in that direction before the father he doesn't really engage in it because he like us we know what happened you know Mm -hmm. um but yeah, it's the as as these things are happening, um, it's kind of uh, we see that the the, the father is is um, you know his his health is declining precipitously, uh, a lot of a lot of coughing up blood and moments where he they're having to stop. You know, it's just it's a uh, it's not looking good <laughs> for the father. It's kind of getting it's it's. Um, it's 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 pretty grim at this point. I don't think that it's um. I, it's pretty clear at this point. And even if you're just a very casual reader, if you even if you're one of those readers that's surprised by every plot twist, I think everybody could see that he's he's basically toast. Um, they're running out of food. He's exhausted. They're they're basically just, you know, they're they're only just barely able to to just make it through a day. And they're not really not as many passages describing how they make camp um uh let's see they're they're walking along and eventually they uh they they see they see like this house in the distance um and they kind of they, they do their their usual thing where they hide the cart and uh then they, they slowly try to approach the house um and they they Find in yet another um, little home, and uh, the the uh, the boy, as as ever, ne- does not want to go in. I I I think that's an interesting sort of like um, unexplained reoccurrence. The the boy's fear of of being indoors. I think that's there's probably something that that's happened uh, that we are not ne- that happened probably before the, the story began. So I don't know this that, but I, that's uh, that's an interesting recurring um, character trait that I I don't want to say am annoyed by because I obviously you know as a child's been through a lot but it's it it's it's just like it is very strange that he uh, and and very striking that he he always has such. Uh, strong misgivings about going indoors.
1: Yeah. I kind of, and yeah, you, you kind of have to, if, if you're in the situation and you're looking at this, this kid objectively, it's totally fine. It's totally understandable. But as someone disconnected, that's just a reader. I just kind of got to the point where I was just rolling my eyes every single time. The kid was like, I'm scared. And it's like, I know you, you it's, it's okay that you're scared. It's understandable. You're, you're a literal child, but it's like, this is like the fifth time that you've done this, and only one time were you actually right, so I'm just kind of like, alright, you're scared, I get it, okay. I think that's kind of how the father, especially
0: when he realizes he doesn't have much time left, is approaching, and he's like, okay, look, we need to go, we, we do need to go inside, and they, they search the house, and they uh they find a bunch of like canned vegetables, like, uh, I'm trying to remember, I know there was potatoes, and corn and i tomatoes and, was there anything else uh that doesn't really matter the point is they find they find a bunch of canned stuff which is good um, but it's like it's like in those um, mason jar kind of thing and and it's so it's it's not really like sealed so the boy is a little bit a little bit worried about it but um they basically are out of food so the father's like look we we got to take the chance here and the boy, as ever, is like, okay. <laughs> it's, it's just like, oh, come on. I, I, like, I, please, little boy. Just just a little more color here. <laughs>
1: His character um, has kind of completely devolved for, like, the rest of the book. He He's very much just short sentences or just general uh, quiet behavior. I I think that does keep up for more or less the rest of the book until the last couple of pages.
0: Yeah, and that that's something that that um, is kind of one of the storylines of the book: the boy becoming more withdrawn and a little bit more um, circumspect of his father. I guess is is a is a way to put it. Um, so they they stay at the house for for a few days longer than they stayed at the at the bunker by the way which bunker was way better bunker was the bunker was uh great
1: well part of Uh, it's because of the weather right
0: oh that's true that's true it was there was a bunch of it was wait no it rained at the bunker too didn't
1: it yeah but they stayed as long as they wanted in the bunker, it just happened to be raining one of the nights. They left when they wanted to. Wasn't it just raining bad enough at the house that they were just like, we should probably stick around until the weather clears. I guess I guess that's true. Um,
0: now that you mention it, um, but but anyway, so the, so they stay for a few days and they're kind of like sleeping and they're there's a, p- a portion where they're kind of like making new masks and they're they're finding. You know, clothes in the in the house, and they're he's kind of like trying to tailor them as much as he can to the boy, which you know is a very you know gentle moment as well. And um, so they they find a wheelbarrow uh, to transport once they're ready to move, they're to to move their their stuff out to the cart. Um, which you know, I don't know if you've ever pushed around a wheelbarrow too much. Those things are not as good as you think. They are not as, they're like, they're helpful. It's better than just carrying all that stuff by hand, but they are still such a pain to move.
1: I, I, I guess it really just depends on the one that you've used. I've used one that was, that was, it was actually pretty nice.
0: Maybe. Maybe I just was using a, a really crap wheelbarrow, but like, it, it was like always pretty unbalanced, always wanting to t- uh, tip over, even when you get a good balance on the load. It always would like there was like a like a wheel protection wheel cover to like prevent you from like banging it into the front but it kind of got loose and it would like fall in and then it would stick and when you're you're pushing it and then you would get stuck or it would like almost try to like jerk it out of your hands cuz of the hard stop Anyway that's what I was thinking of I was thinking about all of the the, the many um, usually summer days spent uh, helping with like some some sort of project or or helping a, a relative, and, and the the wheelbarrow being very very annoying.
1: Is that what um, you pay your your therapist for? Uh,
0: well, among among other things, I suppose. But it's, it's uh, there's a specific my specific phobia of wheelbarrows is is pretty crippling. I go outside, I see a wheelbarrow, I'm catatonic for a week
1: afterwards. I can just imagine your doctor's just like, oh God, it's Thursday, it's the wheelbarrow guy again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is it, it, they, they gave me a Rorschach test? They're like, okay, uh, all right, here we go, uh, Daniel. Here, what, what is this picture to pick? It's a wheelbarrow. <laughs> Not another wheelbarrow. <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm I'm just I'm just like completely uh, paralyzed by this by the the any anything that has less than two any less than three wheels, like uh, bikes scooters, wheelbarrows especially. Like the fewer wheels, the the greater my phobia. 18-wheeler, not afraid at all. That's also pretty dangerous. I would walk right out in front of one. But, you know, it's just
1: that's just the nature of
0: my wheel phobia.
1: Hey, unrelated. Do you want to watch Maximum Overdrive later?
0: <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah, sounds sounds like a good time. Okay. Uh Okay, so they, they're the wheelbarrow they're they're going on they uh yeah they get back to the car and they're 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 almost to the coast so they start i think they start smelling like the, the you know it's it's a thing like when you get i want to say maybe 20 miles is that's about right once you get about 20 miles from the ocean you can kind of, you can kind of tell
1: right yeah you can like smell you can smell the water the uh the, that kind of uh the stench of the ocean, so to say.
0: Well, it's not always a stench, but sometimes it's it's like like a little the sea breeze and all that. You know, it it can be actually kind of pleasant. Sure, but but uh, if well, if you're talking about Texas beaches, a lot of them they're they are pretty rough. Uh, but uh, and I guess maybe I don't know. Are you have you. Um, Have you been to many other beaches other than than the ones uh, around here?
1: No, I've only ever been to, like, Galveston.
0: Okay, yeah. Galveston, got to say, a lot better than it used to be. Still not great. Really, really not that great.
1: Well, the last time I went to Galveston, I want to say, was 2008. So I imagine uh, it was probably, like... I imagine it's hopefully it's better now than it was then, but it was it was pretty god awful in two thousand eight.
0: Yeah, the the beach the beaches they they really suck. <laughs> like I, I, like they was they're very unpleasant. They're d- and okay, you know how a lot of people they, they picture like the nice golden sand, the palm tree. No. These beaches are are gross. They're like they're pretty they're they're surprisingly rocky. You know, they got stuff all over the shore like seaweed and um various forms of decaying matter um the water is not very nice it's not like pretty blue color it's kind of like this murky murkiness um at least in Galveston you head further down into South Padre and um so so further south that you're practically in Mexico at that point um it starts to look pretty nice actually but but up around there not so good really all through the gulf the gulf, I I'm I was I've never been impressed by a lot of the gulf coasts but I I'm sure there's somewhere nice it, to me it get, it doesn't get a lot better until like you get into Mexico or almost Mexico uh or Florida Florida they have a lot of really nice beaches
1: really what you could do is I bet you could just take the excerpt from this novel where he's describing the uh, the shore when they get to it to the uh, to the ocean on the coast, and give it to anybody from Texas, and they'll be like, "What is this? A Galveston newsletter?" <laughs> that that's basically it. That that
0: that's it, it, just if you for for our our, uh, our listeners who have never been to Galveston, just read this the portion about about the the horrible, uh, depressing beach that they they come up to, and that's almost exactly what it's like. Um so they're they're um they're they're almost there. It's uh the 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 boy is starting to like read the map. I don't think that's something that he's talked about before and he's like memorizing things and he's like charting their progress. It's it shows the boy is becoming um not autonomous, but he's growing up a little bit, right? He's he's, he's gaining becoming some a independence. little more capable. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um let's see,
1: then, and this is uh this is the overall goal of the novel as we have been told at this point. And uh boy, it's it's anticlimactic. They make it to the coast and it's like, "Okay, uh now what?"
0: Yeah, yeah, the the water the water is not blue. The boy has been asking like you know is the ocean still blue, and the father's like, "I don't really know and then um, but the boy kind of he like he's like, okay, but you can kind of tell that he's he's hoping that once once they get where they they're going that there's there's gonna be this uh moment of catharsis, I guess I would say that like he sees the ocean and it's gonna be blue and it's gonna be kind of a uh a memory oh not a memory a um a moment where it, it it feels like they they have left the dark world behind and have returned to some vague semblance of normalcy I think that's that's the hope of the boy, but it is not to be the ocean is uh is is pretty gross looking um, there's basically a bunch like basically like Galveston just a bunch of dead stuff just all over the shore um and they're kind of they're there and and they they uh, the father sees a a uh, wrecked sailboat and he he goes and swims out to it and also can we just say this is this is such a this is a great moment for the father here. This is a man who is actively dying of tuberculosis and he gets into a freezing the freezing ocean and he's, he he <laughs> swims out to bring back um uh you know some a little bit of food some water. Some stuff from uh, including a a first aid kit and a flare gun from a a sailboat.
1: Yeah, it I I was wondering if this was going to be essentially the uh, the major cause of his death, because Jesus, man, I feel like pneumonia is is very easy to catch in this situation because it's already cold as it is Uh, the just the general temperature of the uh, of the world at this point. 'cause they're always cold at night, his lungs are also filled with
0: like mucus and blood, so he's he's i it's and maybe maybe i mean certainly all of the, these things he's doing aren't helping his recovery but I think this is the if if you could point to a a proximate cause, I feel like this is like essentially sacrificing himself here. Um, so anyway, they get, to, they get back to the beach, um, the, this the son, he's, he's still thinking about, um, the, the good guys, um, as his father is, put it. this, this, I don't want to say fictional, because there, there are still good people, it's just, it's just that they don't know who they are, and they don't know where they are, and they don't know how many of them there are, it's, so it's, so the father is like a little bit more uh he's not sure about you know the sun actually riding the into the sand letting them know you know talk to tell the other good guys where they're at um this is an interesting moment i also speaking of you know getting into the cold water and getting sick the the sun actually becomes ill um and they're they're basically there for do you remember how long it was but it was the boy got actually really really sick
1: i feel like they were on the beach for like more than a week it feels like
0: i think that was right i think i think they were on the beach for a, about a week um it's so so they're uh they're they're there the boy is is dying but thankfully because he found some medicine on the um on the on that uh, on the wrecked sailboat, he he gives the boy like some. I know he gives him some aspirin, which isn't that actually bad for children.
1: Uh, boy. Uh, I know that they make they make children's variants, but I don't know if if like the normal strength ones are. I I imagine it's it's bad for you in the sense that all of these are technically bad for you.
0: Well, I, I feel like aspirin is especially bad for kids for some reason because you know you you still give kids like ibuprofen and like um whatever motrin is I, I forget what that's called but like and, and like you you can give them acetaminophen but mostly people don't i I think most people try not to take acetaminophen now uh, it's harder on is it it's, it's harder on your liver right that's the one that's I think I think one is bad on your liver and one is bad on your kidneys. Ibuprofen and acetaminophen, but this is not a medical podcast. This is a literature podcast. Um, anyway, so they give they give the um, they give the the boy some medicine, and he he eventually does get better. Um, but the 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 father is is um, he's not he's doesn't he's not doing good mentally while, while he's dying. He's he starts thinking about maybe killing himself if the boy dies, which I mean is understandable in the context of his basically everything he's done the past uh, call it eight years has been for the boy, and there is basically no other world for him I, I A lot of parents feel this way, but like it is especially true in the case of the father that there is basically there is literally nothing in the world but the boy for him. But thankfully, uh, the boy does recover, and they start they start uh, heading on down the beach.
1: Yeah, so uh, if I remember right, they had the cart kind of away from the beach, and they just kind of kept going back and forth and getting getting shit from the uh, the boat and taking it to their little little beach camp, and then taking it to the cart, and then doing this like kind of preparing to move on thing. They and then like all of a sudden, the cart's gone, and lo and behold, finally here at the end of the book. We have, the first time ever, the cart has been, like, stolen, stolen, and it, they find it super quickly. I, I, I wasn't really that surprised, but it's, it is kind of clever, though, with the whole, uh, when they get onto the road and the man's like, hey, look for, for bits of sand because sand's going to be dropping off of it, and they use that to essentially find the dude that, that stole the, the cart but I, I figured this would be more of a um of a setback. It's more of a a minor inconvenience that leads to our um penultimate human encounter in the novel
0: it is it is a setback of sorts um
1: it's very minor
0: well i I would say not necessarily in terms of their physical safety and and health but it, it is a little bit of, a, it is yet another thing that that uh, serves to estrange the son from the father, as, as we'll see here in just a second.
1: You know, you say that, and I think that that's only true for the moment, because I feel like when we get to the end of the book, it kind of goes to show that, like, while the boy, and we can get into this more when we get to it, but while the boy is having these immediate external grudges against the man by the time we get to the end it seems like all of that is just kind of gone which this is not bad writing I'm not implying that this is just McCarthy suddenly just fell off a cliff and just forgot about his character arcs but I, I feel like it's it, it makes the boy almost feel a little superficial by the end which once again this is a child so this isn't necessarily a crazy thing to happen but it does it does kind of feel a little like i mean does this really really matter toward the relationship towards the man and the boy when we see how it ends at the end of the book let's put a pin
0: in that cuz I, I do i do want to talk about that but we we i it probably would be better when we if we could talk about it holistically when we get there
1: yeah so they find the this this would be thief and uh, the man pulls the gun on him, this dude's got a knife, and that ain't gonna work against a gun, so he, this is so strange to me, I I understand it, but it's so strange, he has him stripped down, completely naked, walk over to the side of the road, he steals his clothes ostensibly, the boy's protesting, saying no, 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 let him, uh, let him have his clothes back, like, we should help him, all these other things, and the man's just like, nah, man, he stole our shit, so he's a dead man, so they just leave, and, the boy finally convinces him otherwise, and you know it's a little it's a little late for that. And uh, when they go back to try and give him his clothes, he's gone. Surprise, surprise. the dude's not gonna just stand around. So too little too late for the man, and the boy's crying and oh, I can't believe he did that. Well. And I, I don't know. Like, I, I understand the point of this encounter. Uh, but it just it just feels like it's just kind of another one of those and-then-this-happened kind of things. What do you mean by that? Like, it, it just kind of... It, it, it doesn't feel like... You know how um, there's a general structure on how you want to tell your story where it's uh, the general rule of thumb is you want to tell your story to where it's like this happened therefore this happens. You know that's like that's like what you want to follow with storytelling. Uh well that that is one way
0: to do it. I don't necessarily fully subscribe to that. That's 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 a very famous uh quote from uh Trey Parker and Matt Stone, right? That's how they 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 um do their stories.
1: That's I'm how they sure they write. I'm pretty sure this is like way older than South Park, like decades older than South Park, at least.
0: It is probably, but they they're the ones that that when people talk about that uh, in writing circles, they're they're the ones that are most oft quoted.
1: I I didn't know that. I actually never knew that. But I, I I feel like with this with this particular point, it was this happened and then this happened and then this happened and it it's not bad i'm not sitting here saying this is a bad part of the book i'm not trying to like really just kind of dump on it but it does kind of just feel like an and then moment which can work it's totally fine but this interaction i feel like did not really do anything for me that the book hasn't already done for me at this point it was just another instance of they found somebody they're kind of he the man's rude to him the boy doesn't want to be rude to him. They move on.
0: Yeah, I and I can understand it from that standpoint. I, I the thing is that it's it's um. I don't know. We we've actually gone in, in the, including the the last book we've read, uh, the Stranger. It's kind of of a similar bent in that, uh, you know, we're we're, we're seeing these people that are in these situations where. One of the central questions of the book becomes, is life worth living? And I think there's, there is a, um, especially when you, when you look into the uh, context of particularly the road where, where we are living in a, uh, a post-societal um, condition for humanity you know there is there is no um there is no community there is no uh, uh detectable sort of social norms um there there's not there's not a lot going on there so it i think that is kind of the point is to like to kind of just be yet another misery in is in a series of of uh infinite Prevailing miseries that kind of beg the question: um, What is the val- the value of life? What what is something that can per- push someone too far? What what is worth killing someone for? In this case, right? So the guy he he steals he steals the cart. He goes off down the road, and the father you know he's um, he he the reason he kills him and he the reason he takes the clothes is it's not just to be like, haha, I took your clothes. Now you're embarrassed you know it's it's he's he's making a point he's it's it's an almost kind of like um old testament style eye for an eye kind of punishment right and and this is kind of an interesting may i say that there is no um there are no expectations of societal norms so but it comes down to these these uh the individual people individual groups that that make these that are making these determinations so in the father's mind, he he has been left. He essentially feels that he has been left in the same way that he left that man. Right? He was like totally naked, totally helpless, and uh, the the son. That's that's so. That's why he 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 kills him. So you know, after he does that, and he has the little the back and forth with the boy, that's that's kind of that's kind of like this this. Um, I don't want to say final straw because it, it leads to this, this confrontation with the boy where he is basically just shuts down after they cannot find the man after they, they steal his clothes and he has to, I don't know waddle off into the, the the gray sun sunset to kind of like find some way to survive the night um, the boy they get back and he's, he's basically totally shut down it feels like the relationship is basically dead because he's asking him like do you want to talk and the boy's like no we used to talk and he's like okay <laughs> it's 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 just like this sort of um the relationship at this point is is at a very very okay here here we go um
1: would you say that, that their relationship is at an Atlanta What? An ATL.
0: Oh, uh, yes, an all-time little Yes.
1: Yeah, in Atlanta. You know. I mean, is that is that a thing? Is that a thing people say? I don't know, but ATL is the abbreviation for Atlanta.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I think we you need to try to make that happen. We, I think, <laughs> I think we need to. We need to. This needs to become like the. Uh, we need to. That needs to become our contribution to the greater uh, cultural lexicon.
1: Yeah, I'm feeling like I'm at in Atlanta right now. Our quarterly profits
0: have uh, reached Atlanta. <laughs> but yeah. The, anyway, the the boys. You know, he's pretty quiet. He's like, um, you know, he's talking talking to him, and he's like. You have to talk to me. This is the father talking here. I'm talking. The boy said, Are you sure? I'm talking now. Do you want me to tell you a story? No. Why not? The boy looked at him and looked away. Why not? You know, uh, it, it basically, basically it's just, it's not, he's not really wanting to hear. He's, he's, talk, he's saying like, uh, oh, I guess I'll just j- jump back into it because he, he explains it pretty well. Why not? Those stories aren't true. They don't have to be true. They're stories. Yes, but in the stories, we're always helping people, and we don't help people. Why don't you tell me a story? I don't want to. Okay. I don't have any stories to tell. You could tell me a story about yourself. You already know all the stories about me. You were there. You have stories inside that I don't know about. You mean like dreams? Like dreams or just things that you think about yeah but stories are supposed to be happy they don't have to be you always tell happy stories you don't have any happy ones they're more like real life but my stories are not your stories are not No. the man watched him real life is pretty bad what do you think well i think we're still here a lot of bad things have happened but we're still here Yeah. You don't think that's so great? It's okay, and I think that's and then just just a little bit further. You know, he says, you know, father tries to talk to him again, and he's like, "It's okay, Papa. I I just want to have a little quiet time." And he's basically, he doesn't talk about he doesn't want to talk to the, his father basically anymore. It feels like we've come to a a critical rupture in their relationship because of the you know like I like I like he mentions there in the passage that I. I recapped um in the stories we're always helping people and we don't help people i think he's 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 gotten to the point where he no longer he's he no longer views his father particularly um, but probably himself but mostly his father as quote one of the good guys end quote it, it's 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 like this um so i think this is this is kind of what i was talking about It's like this it's it's the fundamental fracture, the the sort of nadir of their the ATL the Atlanta of their relationship.
1: Yeah, I I, I didn't realize that this that the voice suddenly became a teenager so quickly.
0: <laughs> well, all all that uh, all that trauma and uh, seeing seeing people getting killed uh, ages you, I suppose.
1: I suppose you so. To, you
0: have you have to grow up fast.
1: Um. so as they move on they eventually make it to this town and as they're going through the town they get uh attacked by a dude with a bow and arrow in a in a second story window or something and i I love this i I thought he was going to use the last bullet in his mat in his his revolver to to shoot the guy but no what he does instead is he pulls out the flare gun and he tags the dude with it which is just <laughs> really funny that i mean it, it's it's it works yeah he even says earlier when they find the flare gun yeah we could use it to it'll set someone on fire and then he, he sneaks up into the house and there's a woman holding the guy who i guess isn't dead she he the the, the man says to the boy that the guy isn't dead but i feel like we don't ever get comfort I thought he was dead until the man said that when the man told the boy that he wasn't though that could just be him telling lying to the boy my impression was that the guy was dead when the woman was holding him
0: I don't know if it would kill you at least immediately I think it would hurt a lot um and then you would be on fire I think you could die from complications resulting from being hit by a flare but I don't think it would necessarily kill you in that moment especially if like in that situation they they were able to at least put out the fire,
1: yeah, but um before he shoots him he does get he does take an arrow right to the leg or at, at least it grazes his leg I think it doesn't actually it doesn't actually like go it, does it does it seem like it goes through his leg or it just kind of cuts him across like I, I don't remember
0: uh I can try to find it um but i I think
1: uh. I mean I either way, the, the, the father takes an arrow in one form or another, and so he has to have the boy help him clean it up and one here's here's number two situation where I'm like, Oh, here's gonna be how the father dies, is he's gonna get an infected leg wound, and that's gonna be that. Uh no. No, once again no. Uh they they get patched up and just leave the town. Which, granted, um there's I, I imagine that his his following major health deterioration after leaving this town I wouldn't be surprised if it had something to do with an infection from this, this wound the thing is is that we don't really ever get told that it, it, we just kind of see him getting weaker and weaker and succumbing to death at this point be it whether it's the um, the uh, literary tuberculosis he's been suffering from or if it has to do with the leg thing it it doesn't really it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Uh, this is the end of his life, and after, geez, I, I don't even know how long it, it seems like it's almost a uh, a dreamlike state of of the the passages at this point in the novel with them kind of traveling and him using the cart for support and just kind of coming in and out of, of, of everything until he finally realizes this is it, and he lays down, and he's like, this is where I die.
0: Yeah, I just I just want to, like, throw in there, because I, I, I noticed that, too. Like, it does take on, a, it becomes a little bit more hazy than previous. Like, really, this whole section is a lot more hazy than, you remember how last time I made the comparison of, like, like a like a rosary or something like like the idea of like the or or an episode or a TV show where there's like these small discrete units, right? There's the episode, there's the moment in time, and you just you're just moving along the string of them. Well, by the time we get to this point, it feels like those distinctions are uh, breaking down, that things are less distinct, but from moment to moment, and I think that's supposed to mirror the illness um,
1: getting worse. Yeah. So this is this is the end of the man as we know it. He lays down and he has his final conversations with uh, with the boy and uh, I, I, I'm sorry I, I don't remember what the conversations are if you if, if it's something important, by all means, please take this because I don't have my book in front of me because I don't have the book anymore so
0: there's the la- there's the last little bit about um, there's a couple things that he mentions when he's dying and he's giving him some final um, some final advice. You know, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's dying. He's, and he tells him, you know, we were always lucky. You'll be lucky again. You'll see. Just go. It's all right. And the boy, he keeps saying that he doesn't want to go. And he's, but the, the, so the father's like, okay, you know, he just, he's telling, he, he, he doesn't really have the time or the energy to really fight him. So he's just telling him like, it's, it's okay. This has been a long time coming. Just keep going south, do everything that we always did, and then um you know the boy's obviously very upset and he's he's like, uh keep the gun with you at all times, you need to find the good guys, but you can't take any chances and you know the boy is just talking about how he wants to just stay with him, and you know he's he's takes a moment to be like you you can't you have to keep going, you have to carry the fire and this is this this is a pretty crucial bit here. I don't, uh, you have to carry the fire. I don't know how to. Yes, you do. Is it real, the fire? Yes, it is. Where is it? I don't know where it is. Yes, you do. It's inside you. It was always there. I can see it. So he's, 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 that's kind of, you know, it's just the, 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 um, uh I mean, we we always kind of knew that it, that it was metaphorical, right? But it's it's it is like the fulfillment of that moment, you know. It's like the idea of the 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 spirit that is enkindled with the good of humanity, that kind of thing. Yeah. Right?
1: Which uh, let me ask you a question, real quick, Daniel. Sure. So, do you think the fire is real?
0: Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Is the fire real? Um the fire the the yeah, that I remember yeah, that was funny. I appreciate that. That was uh <laughs> see there is there's something else. Um Okay, yeah. Yeah, there is there's a very um there's a pretty dark portion um where the father, the son is he knows his father is, is dying and he asks him to take him with him. Um which is a horrific thing to imagine you know like your your son asking you to kill them when you're dying because he's so so frightened and he he doesn't think he can go on without you
1: yeah which that being said in a world like this and the the boy being that young it's it's i think that's one of the, the bigger tra- uh, tragedies of the novel is that when you when you look at that request and you see the merit or like the the logic in it and you're like uh, on the one hand you're like you're a child and i want you to live because you represent the innocence and future of humanity but on the other hand it's like man this world sucks and if it doesn't kill you uh you're gonna probably kill yourself and it's like oh it, it's it, like i said it's 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 one of the tr- bigger tragedies of the novel that you can, yeah. you, can you can look at that request and, and really see the merit in it
0: yeah and i think it, it all it all goes back to that moment with the mother, it's just, you know, it's just it's it's like this. It's yet it yet another recurrent moment in this in this uh, the tragedy of this family. You know, it's just the, the the father feeling like he needs to hold hold on, and you know he he feels you know I'm I'm sure you know it's it's a thing where he he feels like he needs to be strong and keep his family together, but. In another sense, and I'm not, I'm not condoning certainly, but he says, um, "I can't, I can't hold my son dead in my arms. I always thought I could, but I can't." It's, I don't want to say that's a weakness because that is basically one of the worst things that could ever happen to a person. Absolutely. To, to be, but it's, it, it speaks to like a different kind of, um, you know, it's, it's the, the ideas of weakness and strength it's kind of playing with something there i don't think it ever comes down on one way or the other because that's i don't think that's the kind of author cormac mccarthy necessarily is that he's trying to impart a moral lesson but he's 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 really trying to hit something here about you know what is strength what is life what is you know all the he's asking these kind of questions
1: yeah i i Um, would say that um the father's strength to continue probably says more than his um, unwillingness to uh, to kill the boy.
0: I would, I would, I would certainly agree. Um, I, I that's that's not necessarily what I'm trying to say here. I'm, I'm not saying like um he was weak willed. He was not able to kill his child. You know that that's that's just you know that's just a bridge too far for. Basically every human that has ever lived. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it's it shows. I think it's it's just a, this idea that uh, McCarthy is playing with here about about what are the limits of human frailty. What 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 are the things that we can be pushed to? What is too far for anybody to even contemplate? You know what it, would it take to do these kind of things? That that's that's all I'm saying.
1: Yeah. Uh, that by the way was my seventh grade level analysis for the day.
0: <laughs> I I I think that was good. I think that was at least like 11th grade.
1: No, uh, that's that's a really dumb 11th grader. I think <laughs> the man was strong because he decided to live instead of die. I mean
0: I don't know. I think I think sometimes people are I think sometimes people are can be very well, you remember that you you said that you've talked to people who've read this book before, and some of them were very uh, blasé about the book. Um, it didn't seem to get a lot from it. So, and and like we were like we did I think in the first episode where we were uh, maybe lightly clowning on on those people that on those uh, high school students that left poor reviews of this book um, because of that because they were not. Really wanting to engage with these ideas. I think that's pretty much it. He just... After that, there's a few other... Like, other brief conversations. He sends the boy away. And he's like, okay, you need to go find the good guys. Keep heading south. And the boy walks away for a little bit. But he does come back. And, um... You know, he, sit, he lays, you know, down with his father. And he's... Um... You know, he spends his last night together. And... um he asked this, his father about the little boy that they saw a very long time ago that when they went into one of the towns it's hard to pinpoint exactly where it was because they never give the names of any of these towns but it it's something that you'll recall that happened pretty earlier on and um you know they asked you know they they kind of pondered the fate of the little boy and um it, it becomes I don't think that it's necessarily um, indicative of a selfishness of the boy, but it becomes clear that I think the boy is thinking about the the, the lost child because he feels like he is about to become the lost child. And uh, the father says, I think he's all right. But who will find him if he's lost? Who will find the little boy? Goodness will find the little boy. It always has. It will again. That is the last thing that the father says, because um, when he he wakes up, his his father is dead. But I think it's that's that goes to show like this idea of like the the father is trying to um, communicate to the boy. You know, it's going things are going to be okay. This, he's trying to, you know, with his last few breaths, sort of assuage the boy's concerns about what's going to happen to him.
1: I got a uh, I got an eighth grade level analysis here for you.
0: Okay, break it out.
1: Would you say that uh, the man was not talking about that, that boy that may or may not have existed that the boy saw earlier in the novel? Or is he talking about the boy himself?
0: He was definitely talking about the boy himself. He was the, the, because the boy and the father were both talking about... Uh, there's so many things. There, there's two boys. <laughs> okay, the boy that we've been following along this story that is who the boy was really talking about it was he was um it was he was kind of that's why he was so freaked out about the boy who may or may not have existed it's because he's projecting his concerns about what's going to happen to him and he, he doesn't want to phrase what's going to happen to me so he's formulating it in the in the form of what is going to happen to that boy because he knows he is about to become that boy so to say
1: and that's all fine and good about the boy, but what about the boy?
0: Well, it's, it depends. Or, do you mean the boy or the boy? I don't. Or...
1: I, I don't know how I can be more clear. I'm talking about the boy, not the boy. The no. boy.
0: No, I disagree. I think I think there is a lot of difference between. Are a lot of similarities between the boy and the boy and when you're simu you know you have to be clearer when you're saying the boy
1: okay so not the boy but the boy
0: um are you talking about the little boy
1: yes okay so so the boy no the boy no you're being obstinate it's clearly you're talking about the boy Ladies and gentlemen, your future abbot and Costello.
0: <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, and that that was um, so that, so that's the that's basically the thing. It's like this this sort of psychological um projection.
1: It's it's the it's the, this kid's basically doing the um I have a friend who has a problem kind of situation.
0: He base yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's like uh asking for a friend. <laughs>
1: Uh, It's the next morning and the man has passed and uh, almost immediately, which granted this is explained, uh, this, this other man happens upon the boy and he wants the boy to come with him. And I guess they, they have like, they're, they're uh, uh, maybe not necessarily a conclave, but they are a group and uh, apparently they had been following them for a time. Essentially scouting them out to see what kind of people they are, and now that the boy is alone, I guess they feel like since he's a child the it's probably a much smaller risk to take him in as opposed to if the if the man was still alive and we have uh <laughs> i I can only imagine what this this new man is 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 thinking about as the boy just keeps asking him about the fire. <laughs> do you have the fire? What? Uh, I'm carrying the fire. Um, okay. Do you want to come with us? Do you have the fire? Uh, sure. <laughs> like, I, I I I don't know. I just, I can't imagine. Like that guy's probably just thinking, like, yeah. Uh, this boy is a little a little off right now. Which you know, granted, his father just died. So there's there's some understood trauma there. That's that's only just now coming to the surface. But the man literally says. You're kind of weirded out, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, they have... Uh, the the man has a... Uh, he takes one of the blankets and bundles the, um, the father up in it. Uh, and the boy comes and says his final goodbye before uh, deciding to come with the new man and join him and his hypothetical group and then we get a paragraph about fish or trout in mountain brooks and that's the end of the novel
0: just real quickly i also want to hit that i think that it is kind of it is it shows that there's a lot of um the man is is probably more or less who he says he is like there's there's a little bit of a confused the confused back and forth but he's willing to let, you know, the boy say goodbye to his father. You know, he wants the boy... He, the boy tries to hand over the pistol, but he's like, you know, uh, <clears throat> you need to hold on to that. Okay, do you know how to shoot it? Yes. You know, and then, then he's like... he's So he's trying to... he's He wants the boy to feel like he's still... Okay, he's still safe, right?
1: Yeah, and it's, it's the... I think that entire interaction... Uh, maybe this is me being a little naive in this in this broken, depressing world, but I, I feel like if the this this new man had uh, ill intent towards the boy, especially after finding out that the father is dead, he wouldn't act the way that he he, he would have. He would have like people are ruthless in this in this world. The, the people that are that are truly not the good people as as the father calls them. Uh, they're ruthless, they will they will they will kill first they will attack first, and the fact that one, uh, this man approaches him immediately, and is immediately offering help and all of that, that could possibly be seen as a trap, sure, but once the father is is found dead and he's still acting that way, he has the kid keep the gun, and knows that he knows how to use it, and all these other kind of like small little details, it makes me feel like this person is who he says he is because it would be so much extra unnecessary work for him to do these things to a literal child if his ulterior motive is to capture kidnap or kill the child in the end like you could just, yeah. you just do it right there like it does, he's defenseless. there's no reason to lead this kid on if he's not being genuine
0: yeah I mean it's it's pretty I think to me it's pretty clear. That, that the the man does have good intentions. Obviously, we don't see the conclusion of the boy's story. Uh, we're just seeing a little portion of of his life. But I think it is pretty clear, at least to me, that the the man, that the new man, the the man with the yellow parka, is a good person, or mm-hmm. at least has good intentions for the child. And yeah. so that's the, you asked me this like a like. Towards the very beginning of our first conversation, would I say that this is a nihilistic book? And uh, and I, I gave I gave an answer, and I I just feel like this is more definitive. And like no, I I actually don't think it is nihilistic. I think it is maybe somewhat pessimistic, um, but I I don't think it is nihilistic. I think between the boy and the father, even though he is um imperfect in the sense that he has to adapt to live among you know people that are actively trying to kill and eat him and his child like he he is you know there there is still they I think that there is a he does he, the father is to if we're going to use this expression uh to to borrow their expression and rather the father is carrying the fire. The boy is carrying the fire, and I think the man, even though he is not familiar with the terminology, does carry the fire. And I think that is something. That is why. That is why this book, even though it is largely pessimistic, it ends on this note of hope. And I, I would argue, in a certain way, that that it, that it um, that makes it not necessarily like a, a cop-out good ending. But it is, to me, part of its realism, right? Is like this idea, because the 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 human society, or the lack thereof that we see through the majority of this novel. You know, it if humans were really really like that all of the time, uh, we we wouldn't be here right now, right? We wouldn't be doing this podcast, and I don't mean that just because like it would be chaos. It's just like human society humans are social creatures. The only reason that we can and will continue to survive is only if we we continue to lean into that and we don't we don't necessarily um uh, uh, pursue these very individual outlooks on the world, which is what these road agents are doing. They're like maybe they have these small cliques, right? There where they go out and they they predate on their fellow humans together but that's not long-term sustainable it, it is not a sustainable way to continue to live is to live in this this state of constant either predation or warfare humans will need each other to to come together to create communities to protect each other to help each other that's that's how civilization that's how civilization was created that's how we are able to live and that's how if these people in the book have a chance for a future, that's how they will live, is is living in community and in solidarity with each other.
1: Yeah. Um I don't think that this this book is the the ending is supposed to be Yeah, I, I think you're right in saying it it's not it's not necessarily a sad ending nor a happy ending. I think it's more like a bittersweet, which um real quick, I, I think the term I used was actually uh misanthropic, not nihilistic.
0: Oh. Yeah, but your point but I, still I, stands.
1: I, it doesn't change anything other than swapping that word out.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. But yeah, I I agree. I think I think my, the point is still largely held. Um, yeah,
1: absolutely. But yeah, I I, I do think that uh, there 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 does have a uh, there 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 remains a semblance of hope despite the uh, the odds and the uh, the world surrounding the boy. But it's 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 almost like a glimmer of hope, not quite, because we the boy could die. Comparatively speaking, uh, where where the novel would be like on the next page, or he could live on and they could rebuild society. You, you never really know, and and that's not really important. Which um, would it be crazy for me to say that this book and the reason why it ends where it does? And why it doesn't matter whether or not uh, the these new this new man and the the people that he that he says that he has it doesn't matter whether or not they're good people or bad people it doesn't matter whether or not the boy survives at, in the end overall uh, it's not be, it's it's because this book is actually not about the man and the boy it's about the world that they have now found themselves living in. Um
0: I I don't know. I I think the the man and the boy it's it's pretty I think that's that's a pretty important um aspect of it is the the relationship, right? So to to back it up just a little bit because we we didn't hit something we we talked about it a little bit when we talked about the the father um killing the the thief by proxy. But, you know, as as we kind of see, we saw in towards that moment, uh, the boy was very standoffish and distant from his father. But when the father is passing, the boy is pleading with the father to take him with him because he cannot imagine continuing to live without him. And the boy does not leave his father after he dies for three days. It's only because uh, the other man comes along that he um he decides to 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 go you know to, or he don't, he doesn't know what to do he's in in a state of shock you know so because so i guess a couple couple things i want to touch on there one it's i think that it you you mentioned that it was it seemed kind of um i guess i guess for lack of a better term just like a pointless uh, churn of conflict between the son and the boy because the son, he's he was saying he was he's was standing he was all moody and standoffish and it feels like their relationship is basically dead. Um, but in the in the in the next few pages we see the boy is obviously tremendously distraught over the loss of his father, and I think that's very real and very human, right? I think there there's there's a certain way that people have that they look at relationships with people and they can be very um i don't want to say what have you done for me lately i think that's a little more judgmental and a little bit harsher than i i intend but it it can be a little bit more like when you're caught in the minutia of like of like the arguments and um and you know you bad feelings can arise you know that's that's that is one thing. But once there is a, a, a truly irreversible moment, like the father is dead, you know, I think, I think that's, that's real that people often express, um, regrets when somebody passes that they were not able to reconnect. Like they, they, they they regret that they left on, they, they were not on good terms with the person when they died. Um, and that kind of thing. I think it's it's it goes to show a very uh real and human element that and I think is particular in a lot of uh fam particularly in family relationships, right? Where where parents, you know, not, not and it's not necessarily just in people that are that survive, but in, in the people that are dying or soon to die. They they are feeling these regrets because they're facing hidden within the concept of the argument is the follow-up right there's there's always this even if this person you is like okay i'm done talking to them i will never speak to them again so so on and so on i think for a lot of people there is a, a hope of a reconciliation there's a hope that they will come around to the to seeing the other person will see their point of view or something like that but when the possibility of that is totally foreclosed, in in death, that's what leads to like these feelings of anguish, and all of a sudden these sort of like um, I don't want to say petty arguments, because sometimes they can be very, very, very deep, you know, and and deeply felt things, but once the the ability of reconciliation is permanently foreclosed, I think that can really mess with people and and hurt them in a very deep way, and I think the boy does a great way of showing
1: that. Yeah, for sure. And it it does kind of go back to what I was saying earlier about how with the, the thief and the boy shutting down against the man and me saying that it doesn't really end up meaning anything towards their relationship in the end because of how it ends, and maybe this is this is just me being a little too, um, what's the word? Uh, I, I don't want to say that the interactions are meaningless, and that their relationship prior to his death didn't matter, because it for sure was deteriorating, and we could see it as early as the very beginning of the book, that it, it, it strained, and not at a place to where it used to be, but... I don't know if I really that's, have a point, if I'm being honest.
0: That's fair. I mean, sometimes, sometimes, um, sometimes I think that's how it is when you're talking about literature. Sometimes you're talking things out and you're, you're feeling these. It's like, um, sometimes it's like being in a cave and, that's totally dark. You don't have any light. You're just grabbing onto a rope and you're just kind of following it. Sometimes it feels like you're getting somewhere and then you're just like, Oh, that, that was, I don't know what I was even talking about.
1: Yeah. So can we talk about that last paragraph real quick? Sure. Um, What the hell? That's something
0: that I, I was, I was kind of curious to get your thought on, but it seems like you're also kind of struggling
1: I imagine that it's one of those things that it's supposed to be an, an, up for interpretation, but it, it it is very strange that we have this, this final piece of the story with the boy leaving, with uh, the man in the yellow parka, and then we have just suddenly this thing talking about a fish that was on the mountain that had it it's it's back showed uh, the metaphor of the world and how it, it, it how it had like changed or whatever it was and it's i i mean is is the is the fish supposed to be like humanity and how it they they are showing the change of how the world used to be and how it is now and you see how humanity has changed because of the i i don't it's so weird I, I I stared at it for like probably longer than I should have after as I was done with the book and I'm just like, what the fuck am I looking at? This is so odd. It is so so weird, so just out of nowhere. And I'm just like, am I supposed to find a metaphor in here that's supposed to wrap around to the theme of the book? I I let don't know. Me, it was very strange to me.
0: Let me reread it so I can just kind of see what's going on here. Okay. Once there were brook trout in the streams in the mountains. You could see them standing in the amber current where the white edges of their fins wimpled softly in the flow. They smelled of moss in your hand, polished and muscular and torsional. On their backs were vermiculate patterns that were maps of the world and its becoming, maps and mazes of a thing which could not be put back, not be made right again. In the deep glens where they lived, all things were older than man and they hummed of mystery i think it's fair to say looking at that is like it's it's like the it's like an elegy or an epitaph for the the world um the world that or was.
1: humankind
0: well i think that's possibly both because it says but it specifically re- refers to things like um on its back or on their backs were vermiculate patterns. Vermiculate being um like a worm like. That's what it that refers to. So like worm like patterns that were of maps of the world and its becoming. Maps and mazes of things which could not be put back, not be made right again. So it i I think that is it is it's an epitaph for the Well it's it's talking about the world in its becoming. So it's 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 about the cycle of rebirth, right? So the world it cannot be put back to what it is. The world must continue on and become something else.
1: Yeah, and it speaks
0: to kind of like this idea that is like this is not just um, that this is something that is beyond humanity, right? It is it is. uh, in the deep glens where they lived, all things were older than man, and they hummed of mystery. And this idea of the world, you know, will continue on, and life will will grow again from from the ashes. Because if you think about, so so this world has has been destroyed um, for for the meantime by this sort of. Um, This crisis, whether it was like a nuclear exchange or whatever, it it is not necessarily dissimilar to other circumstances in the history of the world. Like like the um, the famous um, asteroid that that uh, for all intents and purposes ended the age of the dinosaurs. Right. And it's it even bears a very similar um, uh, I guess it is kind of similar in that. You know, the the there's a lot of ash that has risen into the atmosphere, and everything is all gray, um, and that is leading to a a mass extinction moment. And I think that's kind of what it is going on here is like this this idea that the world continu- can, will continue through cycles of of uh, devastation and birth over and over, and this is a cycle that is beyond even. It, it, it is beyond humans. it is it is just the natural order, something like that.
1: Yeah, there is the, the the saying of how it, it doesn't matter what we do, the world will outlive us.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of what it's getting at is like it's like the humanity may have um, colossally failed in this moment and that has led to this this terrible, apocalyptic moment but life the flame continues to burn and will will glow again at least that's my interpretation of that last paragraph
1: yeah so daniel final thoughts and uh and, and ratings on on the on the road final thoughts um the book
0: i think was very well well done I think it's a great book um i think it uh deserves the praise it has gotten i think it's it's a very powerful very moving book that that um i think particularly um is very influential to a lot of the what has come after it in terms of the post-apocalyptic uh genre of entertainment um just 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 for me you know I know I mentioned this earlier, uh, but like this idea of like I think it was particularly very um, influential to uh, the Last of Us, both the television show and the and the video game. Is like especially when you looked at things like like the bow, like the like the 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 baseless, you know, the bottomless depravity of humanity. It's like I think it's 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 sort of symbols like that that is just kind of. I think it, it was very influential uh, in the creation of that, and you can just see and you see it and also in other different um, post-apocalyptic things. I don't want to go through and specifically name every single thing that has been influenced by the book, but you can tell that it is hugely influential. Um, I think once you get past um, the writing style, which can be very terse and um, and, and a little bit irregular if' you're not, you're not expecting it. I think I think it is a, a very well written novel and uh I think that you will find as you go along that these the, the dropping the conventions of the novel that that you expect I think are is actually uh thematically a, a stroke of brilliance. Um I really enjoyed this book, even though sometimes it could be very difficult to uh, to read. I think there's a lot of really dark moments that are, um, you know, I, am I'm, I'm not a father, but I could imagine if someone was a father, it, it would be very hard to read. Um, but, and, and you know, if, if you're someone that is uh, of, a, of a more sensitive temperament and you, you're, you have, you have difficulties with um, certain uh, content, like as, as I said, at the very, the very first episode content warning, all, basically everything bad that you could possibly imagine or have a content warning for does exist in this book. So it is a very difficult book to read from that standpoint. But I think it is rewarding. I may not always, like, I think, I I, I may not always feel, like, excited to read page to page, but I think it tells a very beautiful and gripping story about the father and the son and um, the very human Uh, relationship between the two of them uh i really liked it i i i think that it's a great book and i would uh strongly recommend anybody to read it i think it's i think it's great is (laughs) i yeah your 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 own sort of terse um your your own sort of terse conclusion there (laughs) mm-hmm
1: Uh, no, I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed it more than um, most other books we've covered at this point in time. Not This is no Leviathan Wakes. That's still my gold standard. But um, yeah, it, it was not what I was expecting, at least in terms of uh, its format. Since I had never read McCarthy before, I was not prepared for that. But I really enjoyed the story it told. And once I got used to his writing style, I really enjoyed it. I definitely would not want to read it with with anyone else. But for his novels, for if that's his writing style, I accept it and I am okay with reading more of it because the way that he crafted the story, the way that he built this world and these characters, it almost felt like his writing style complemented it. Uh, oddly enough, that's that, that's the weird thing about it to me.
0: Yeah, that that's what I was I was getting at. It's like it's the conventions of the world have broken down, and the conventions of the novel, seemingly, too, have broken down. It's it's like, it's metatextual.
1: Yeah, and that does work for this, but I, I, I've i heard that that is his style, period. So it doesn't quite have that, as you put it, metatextual context with some of his other novels, I would assume. So, I don't know, I, I guess I'd have to see how it goes with... um with the style of his other novels to see if it still works in that same kind of way, but I'm okay with, with reading them to see because I think his use of language and his way of, of building a scene does more than well enough to not necessarily um, make you forget about these this lack of convention, but it almost kind of augments the lack of convention at the same time. It's very strange. It's, it's really weird. I, I don't know... I don't think it takes a really skilled writer to intentionally do things wrong so well, if that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Well, it's, it's like the old, the old saw, you have to learn to break to, you have to learn the rules before you can break them. And I think that the way that he breaks them is, is very rich and very interesting. And it gives him a very distinct tone and, um, you know just just to just thinking out loud here you know the idea of like to to liken it to music right so distortion on a guitar is used to be like oh my god that sounds terrible why would why is it distorted you know but it was it was like but did, you know it became part of the overall so to say the grammar of the guitar is like this idea of these alternative techniques and these alternative like ways of doing things and i'm not saying that every book i want every book to be written like cormac mccarthy or like specifically like the road i've not read as any of his other works i've i hope to but have not at this point but i think it's it's uh it's very interesting stuff
1: so yeah all, all in all I don't really think there's too much more I can say that isn't something that I or you have already said. So to keep this not so repetitive, not any more repetitive than it probably already has been, um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was it was odd and pleasant and horrible and amazing and great and disgusting. It was a lot of things. I can probably throw a lot of different uh, adjectives at this book. So, yeah, as you know, I like to throw ratings because I'm one of those people uh, for me this book was an eight out of ten wasn't the best so book I've it. ever read but it was by no means a bad book and I would recommend it if this is your thing and I do think it created a uh, the the importance of this this novel is is not to be uh, it ha- it has to be stated and you you already have in probably better ways than I have but I do think it you can see that this kind of created a new form of like a a new zeitgeist for post-apocalyptic media Mm -hmm. so there's a a lot of respect there for that so yeah I, i enjoyed this book i thought it was very good and i'm very glad we read it i am too well i think that about wraps
0: things up i'd like to thank everybody for listening to both this episode and uh following along the book with us um wrap it up here this is another episode of the Sad Boys Book Club. My name is Daniel. And I'm Dusty. And we'll see you next time.
1: Take care. Uh really quickly, I just thought of a great name for a medical podcast. What what's that? The Sad Boys Over the Counter.
0: <laughs> Take two sad boys and call me in the morning. <laughs> <laughs>